BYU Sports Nation semifinal Monday in Vegas for BYU basketball. What has to happen for the Cougs to end Gonzaga's tournament reign? West Coast Conference Commish Lynn Holzman on the potential of being a one-bid league and the future of the tournament location. Plus, BYU Hoops assistant coach Tim Lacombe, how BYU slows down Gonzaga's star players, and baseball keeps on winning. Let's go! This is BYU Sports Nation. Brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada, here's Spencer Linton and Jeremy Jordan. We are live from the Orleans Arena. Happy Monday, everyone. BYU Sports Nation back to work in Radio Vision, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. March 7th. Wherever and however you're dialed in, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Tecmo Super Bowl runner-up, Jerem Jordan. You bought the uh, system and the game, and you brought it down to Vegas. So Mm -hmm. I I played it a little bit, played it yesterday a little bit. Uh, I've been working on developing my uh, game with the Giants, Bills, and Niners. To me, those are the three best teams in that game. The Giants, Bills, and the 49ers. Yes. The 1991 game, because there is this edition of Tecmo Super Bowl on the old Nintendo 8-bit cartridge that has been produced with current rosters. It's floating around the internet and eBay out we there. We need to buy that. We need to get it. Yeah. Let's Did do we it. just make that decision right now that yeah. we're going to get that? We'll split. Let's we'll split, split the cost. The cost. Yeah. yeah, that's fine. <laughs> we'll do it. Okay. I'm glad that we uh, that we made a quick decision this morning. <laughs> By the way, BYU baseball 10 and 1. How about those 10 guys? 10 and 1. They swept they swept a Big 12 team on the road. Kansas, 3 games. All wins. BYU can hang in the Big Twelve. The one series indicates that. What? No. Um, that was a big. That was a big series win. And Marlins man was there. If you don't know who Marlins man is, he's just some fan who apparently is loaded, who just goes to all these famous sporting events, uh, NBA Finals, World Series. He's dressed as a Marlins fan. He buys courtside tickets, or he's behind he's, like you can home see plate. him, and it's like there's Marlins man. He was going to the Kansas Iowa State basketball game Saturday, so he went to the BYU Kansas baseball game. He went, He was there. That's awesome. I wonder if he's from around there. Well, he's Marlins man. It doesn't matter. So, well, you can Marlins, be a fan anywhere. I know, but Marlins man goes wherever. I uh, I highly doubt he's from Lawrence, Kansas. Just saying. <laughs> Why would Marlins man? Oh, I'm saying like, what if he's from, from St. Louis or something? I bet he's from Miami. You bet he's from I, Miami. Yeah. Um, also, the video that also uh, took the internet by oh, storm. Oh my goodness. Motekiai, how do you say his name? Motekiai. Motekiai Longi. Longi. Okay, Mo Longi, 6'7", like 400, whatever. He's in the Phoenix mission. So he runs in a parking lot with some missionaries. And it's like, oh, he's so fast. How do, we don't know how fast. It says he the, ran a 4940. Well, I'm questioning that because I went back and watched my... 40-yard dash What are you that was talking about? How, we don't know if it's 40 yards, let alone 49. Exactly. That's just in the tweet. Ben Criddle said that, so I'm like, wait, is that... How do they know it's a 49? Is that a shot at why me? Is, why is that is a the, shot at me? I hope. Why, <laughs> why is that even a thing? B- because he's 400 pounds and he kind of gets up? He's more than 400 pounds, according to Steve Cafusi. That, that guy has... He's got to lose a little bit of weight. They but want I, him down to 360. Are their pads big enough to fit him? They've got to order him now. Holy The cow. Tongan with the Tongan head coach? Yeah. Let's go. It's cool to see his mobility regardless. <laughs> really? He's just ran in a parking lot. Why is this fun. a thing? It's just fun to see. I know. It's just that's, fun to it, see That's it. all it is. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. BYU basketball 
survived Santa Clara, 72 to 60, 17 plus in the quarterfinals. 17, led by a balanced <laughs> effort with five Cougars scoring in double figures. The rubber match between BYU and Gonzaga happens tonight. Get a nap in, as Jerem Jordan says. 11.30 Eastern on ESPN2. Listen on BYU Radio. Tim Lacombe will join us coming up. Plus, we'll break that down. Women's Hoops is in the semifinals as well. They play Santa Clara 3 Eastern time on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Ladies trying to get back to the WCC Tournament Championship game. They are the number one overall seed. And as we mentioned, baseball, they keep on winning. Nate Favero hit a two-run home run in the ninth inning to help BYU come back and win the final game 7-6. to six. They're back home for their home opener tomorrow against Utah Valley. Another sweep for a team. It wasn't volleyball this weekend. It was baseball. Awesome. And Jimmer Fredette returned to the Westchester Knicks after his 10-day contract with the New York Knicks. Yesterday he scored 12 points in 32 minutes. Time to rise and shout on this semifinal Monday. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. How BYU beats Gonzaga. If you haven't been paying attention or haven't noticed over the past, like, 18 years, Gonzaga has absolutely run this tournament. They've been in the championship game every year since 1998. They've won 13 titles in that run. And now BYU has the challenge tonight of breaking that streak, keeping Gonzaga out of a tournament championship game. How do they do it, though? There's so many things to discuss with this. The first of which is injuries that play into this game. So Chase Fisher was on uh, the show Between Games. We call it the Bridge Show. We don't have a name for it. We call it the Bridge Show. And he said that he he hurt his finger. And we saw it in the game. He hurt his finger on his non-shooting hand, right? Mm Mm-hmm. You saw during the game. I wonder if he jammed it. What happened? Because if he's got a hurt finger, that's not. If it's on his offhand, that's better than the shooting hand. But that's a big question mark for me tonight: is how healthy is Chase uh, Fisher's finger? And then Ryan Edwards, the backup center, who's uh, I think a seven footer for Gonzaga, hurt his right knee. And that's big because Karnowski's already out. Yeah, they, they don't have Shamit Karnowski. I think they're playing with like eight or nine scholarship players. They don't have a lot of bench. I mean, they have like. Two guys that come off the bench and then like two and a half, like a third. So that that's a deal, I think, for them. So to me, if, if Chase Fisher is affected in some way, that means a lot for a guy like Nick Emery and a guy like Zach Selyus that they have to play well. I've talked about how Nick Emery has to play well in this, in this tournament. If he does, I think BYU wins this tournament. Because there's not a huge divide between St. Mary's, Gonzaga, and BYU. So that's kind of the first question that I ask is, okay, what's the injury status? We'll find out when the game tips. If BYU can keep Gonzaga's star players, and not even, not even that specific, if they can keep more than one guy from really going off and having a good game, they'll be in good position to win. Sabonis has not dominated BYU in either game. I mean, there were stretches where he Which did. Which is why I think they've been close. BYU didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but because they limited Gonzaga to only one star player really having a nice game, that's why those games are close. That's why you can not shoot the ball well and still be right there. Neither of those games are close if BYU shoots the three well. Absolutely. To me, if I have to point at one part of the game, so there's personnel with the injuries, one part of the game, BYU has to shoot the three later. Uh, better. Later, we will break down what Gonzaga does better than anyone in the country and how BYU has fared from the three-point line because it's not been good. So I, pu- I look at the freshmen who are actually good on Saturday. They, I, I thought that Chase Fisher and Kyle Collins were started slow and that Nick Emery and Zach Sellers kind of carried that team. In the and, first half, absolutely. And then, and then late, it was Collinsworth and then Fisher that got BYU the win. Fisher 
wasn't that good. In fact, I probably be, uh, at the beginning he was fine, but then it hurt his finger, and then he scored five points in a crucial stretch down the stretch. BYU makes free throws, they win by twelve. Yeah, not the BYU freshman, fresh like we said. Nick Emery <laughs> and Zach Selyus, they they helped BYU get that ten point lead in the first half, and then in the fourth quarter, if you will, the final ten minutes of the second half, it'll be quarters at some point. It was Kyle Collinsworth and Chase Fisher. You need your seniors to step up big. They they did that. They did enough to win that basketball game, and now it's Gonzaga. Gonzaga looks fantastic, but they were playing against Portland. They always look fantastic against the non-St. Mary's BYUs. They don't lose to those teams. BYU does. They looked fantastic. 92-67 winners, and they shot the ball, and they had a couple of guys go off. They had McClellan, the defensive player of the year in the West Coast Conference, score 25, maybe more, and then Sabonis was fantastic. But what can, what can BYU do defensively? So far... The Cougars have been able to slow them down. Now, with that in mind, Jeremy, I've given you some of our initial thoughts. Injury concerns, BYU needing to shoot the ball well from perimeter and limit Gonzaga star players. Now we ask you what you think has to happen and our today today's Twitter question, rather. What will be the key factor if BYU is to beat Gonzaga today? Use the hashtag BYUSN. We have a couple of tweets. That crazy cook fanatic shut down Sabonis. Not good if he can score at will the way he did in Provo. He now, was really good late in the game in Provo. Yeah, he scored, what did he have, 15. He had 15 and 14. To me, the 14 is bigger than the 15. 15 is not a ton from Sabonis. I, I look at 21 from Wilcher. He, during that 14-0 run, when Kyle Collinsworth uh, had two fouls, that was the biggest part of the game. And then Gonzaga got up 12 even in the second half. That's another element for me, too. The losing team in each game had a star in foul trouble in the first half. It was Sabonis. In Spokane. In Spokane. And in the second half, he was out and BYU attacked him. 40 points in the paint. They were plus 20. Then the adjustment in Provo was, we're going to protect the rim and make you shoot contested threes. And BYU was bad from three. They were 10 of 32. 10 sounds good, right? They put up 32 threes. And in Provo, Kyle Collinsworth was on wheelchair, got that quick foul call 13 seconds in, got a second. He was out for like a six-minute stretch. Gonzaga went on a 14-0 run. If there's a guy that gets in foul trouble, you would hope that it's Sabonis tonight because if Edwards is hurt, Ryan Edwards, the backup, that would mean that BYU can get to the rim, and that was the key in the win in the kennel. Let us remind you that BYU is the only team in the entire West Coast Conference on the men's side that has a win over every team in the conference. St. Mary's got swept by Pepperdine. Gonzaga got swept by St. Mary's. Interesting. BYU's the only team to beat everyone. They'll try and beat Gonzaga for a second time tonight. As you mentioned earlier, Jeremy, one-point BYU win in Spokane, three-point BYU loss in Provo. The margin is very slim, and there's a common number involved in the two games, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. The loser of each BYU-Gonzaga game this season scored 68 points. It was a 69-68 win for BYU in Spokane and a 71-68 win for for Gonzaga in Provo. 68 was the number, so first to 69 wins. The the last four, I think, Rebel tweeted out, it's like a 75-71 game or something. But in the tournament, it's been re- it's been tough for BYU to play well against this team. They've not they've not been close when BYU's played them here. So tonight's the night for BYU. Seize the moment, Carpe Diem. They've never beaten Gonzaga in Vegas. They haven't won a conference tournament since 01. You win tonight, you got a chance to do that. You beat Gonzaga for the first time here, and you've got a chance tomorrow night. Seize the moment for BYU. Seize it. Kyle Collinsworth is a senior. Now is the time. Don't go to the NIT. Don't settle. 
for that. Win tonight and do something. Just do it, says Shia LaBeouf. BYU wanted to play Gonzaga. You ask Kyle Collinsworth and Chase Fisher, they wanted this opportunity. After the home loss in Provo, they wanted another shot at these guys to say, hey, we're going to win two of three. We're going to win the series, if you will, against Gonzaga this year. And BYU doesn't need to shoot like some astronomical number either. We'll get into the details later. Specifically from three. They don't, it doesn't need to be like some ridiculous number. It just has to be okay. It has to be okay because they have not been okay in the two previous matchups. You can't go three of 17 from three and then 10 of 32. You have they to be won, able to shoot the ball. They won the game better. when they went three of 17. Like, can you imagine even just two more? Because of those they going had in. 40 points in the paint. That's why. <sighs> They, st- they stopped settling for threes, and they got to the rim. In Provo, BYU couldn't. So to me tonight, if BYU can get to the rim, it's going to be a lot easier than having to make threes. You can't, if you do both, you're going to win by double digits. What does Gonzaga do better than any other college basketball team in the country? We'll tell you that a little bit later. And why we think it just might be the number one factor in the outcome tonight. Conversation happening right now on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN and join BYU Sports Nation. Let's get some of your tweets in. It's winter time. All right, folks. What has to happen for BYU to beat Gonzaga tonight? At Cougar underscore Nate says, keeping Wiltshire somewhat contained and BYU's guards need to outplay their guards. Oh, absolutely. The, the weakness of this team is the guard play from Gonzaga. That's the reason they're a bubble team. BYU has outplayed Gonzaga's guards in both games. Absolutely. It's contained the front court yeah. of Wiltshire and Sabonis. There you go. At Seth Killingbeck, key to the game will be early foul trouble either way. Collinsworth and- for BYU, hurt the Cougars in Provo, and Sabonis in Spokane, hurt the Zags. Absolutely. Coming up, West Coast Conference Commissioner Lynn Holzman will join us. But first, what will make the difference in what has been an extremely close matchup this year? BYU Associate Head Coach Tim Lacombe joins us next with his thoughts. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcast on BYU Radio. Moving pictures on BYU TV. The conversation happening right now on Twitter. We're live from the Orleans Arena in Las Vegas. Happy Monday, everyone. Follow us at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Two games today with BYU in the semifinals. Relevance. Women's basketball against Santa Clara at 3 Eastern time on BYU TV. Men's basketball against Gonzaga, 11.30 Eastern on ESPN2. Brent Musburger, Dick Vitale, Fran Fischella, awesome. And right here on BYU Radio as well. Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler will have the early call from the women's semifinal as well. Our Twitter question today, what does BYU need to do for them to beat Gonzaga and end the Bulldogs' reign here at the West Coast Conference Tournament. What's on the line? The first time in 18 years that Gonzaga hadn't, 19 years this year, they've, they've made the WCC Championship game 18 years in a row. That's that, what's on the line for Gonzaga. That's ridiculous. It's time for someone to knock them off. That is and that unbelievable. Time is they've Beating been to the, the championship. Zags does not compute in my matrix. Wait, it will after tonight. <laughs> it will after tonight. Goodness. They've won nine consecutive tournament games down here. I mean, it, that, that's streaks, a heck of a run, yeah. They've had 13 tournament championships. It's, this, is, this is Gonzaga's tournament. But BYU has won in Spokane the last two years. You better believe and that the Cougars believe they can do it tonight. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is BYU basketball associate head coach Tim Lacombe. Tim, nice to have you with us. How are you? 
I'm doing good. How are you guys doing today? We're feeling fantastic. Awesome. We're uh, awesome. we're just talking about uh, we're just trying to throw good mojo towards the court right now for BYU's favor. I love it. I love that you're uh, within distance of, of good mojo toward the court like that. <laughs> um, you know, it's uh, it's going to be a fun fun game. Great atmosphere. Play, you know, two really good teams and. Uh, the cool thing about this situation, two two teams that really respect one another, uh, but really get after it on the floor, and uh, so it should be fun. We want to break down Gonzaga fully here in a moment, but uh, let's recap uh, the win over Santa Clara from Saturday. When did anxiety turn into relief during that game? You know, um, if, if you've been in any tournament situation, I mean, it doesn't matter what level you play at, uh, no one as a high school coach or, or, you know, at any place I've ever been, the first round of a tournament is always so difficult because it's new life. You know, a team that has had a, quite a bit of success and has earned a, a lesser number in front of their name and then a team that comes in there with really nothing to lose. And, uh, and we felt like we started out that game pretty well, uh, particularly on the defensive end. Um, and then we went through a lull on the offensive end and had a hard time scoring um, and turned the ball over a little bit, and, got, and they kind of got a little bit of life. But I, I think that uh, as a whole, the whole group was, was you know motivated to the fact that we're going to get this thing done, uh, and it was just a matter of making a few plays. And that was what was exciting to, to all of us as coaches as, as that thing came down the stretch. I don't think there were any anyone on our bench that felt like that game was going to get away from us. Um, we all were going to make the plays and calls and everything that we needed to, to make to get that thing done. Uh, but we, we went in expecting a, a, a difficult game because any time a team is playing basically for their season, for their life, um, you know, it's, gonna, it's not going to go down easy. Uh, so we hung with it and played for 40 minutes, and we're, we're really excited about getting that thing done. Tim, you lean on your seniors a lot late in games, and especially in tournament games. BYU did that with Kyle Collinsworth and Chase Fisher, who had struggled early, but he had five critical points late in the game. What did you see from your perspective from Chase and Kyle in the late moments of Saturday's game? Just a real confidence and a look in their eye. Uh, you know, the we have so many timeouts, media timeouts and everything, so we get a lot of time to uh, to sit and, and talk with the guys and, and just just the look in their eye um just the way they responded to uh, you know the things that we were talking about the things that we felt like we were seeing from our vantage point that might be able to work um and i think it was uh, both kyle and chase were like hey we're going to win this game you know looking at all the younger guys and we're going to make the plays to win this game and uh that's what you want out of your seniors and it wasn't a, an arrogance, but it was a, it was a confidence, and it was a, it was something that the, the rest of the guys fed off of. Meanwhile, the two freshmen, Nick Emery and Zach Selius, I thought played really well in their first WCC tournament game. What did you see from them that was pleasing? Just the fact that they weren't, uh, you know, they weren't in awe of the moment. Um, I think sometimes young guys go into those situations, uh, and again, we know that we're playing for. For much more than just that game right now, and the fact that they didn't let the pressure of that of the moment get to them, uh, really thought one of the bigger plays of the game was the end of the first half when we got the ball out of bounds under, ran a play and uh, 
found Zach on the weak side, and he buried that three to put the lead back to 10 after they had made a run. Um, and both Zach and, and Nick have made huge shots for us. Uh, felt like they both really have kind of progressed now beyond the fact that the, they're freshmen anymore. They've played so many games um, that we really have a ton of confidence in the fact that they can help us win games. Uh, and we will need, you know, we'll need everyone tonight. But those two guys are, are you know, you guys talk about X-Factor guys. Those two guys are X-Factor guys for us tonight to help us win that game. BYU Associate Head Coach Tim Lacombe with us on BYU Sports Nation. Follow him on Twitter at T. Lacombe. Chase Fisher mentioned to us between games during an interview up here that he kind of banged up his finger in a non-shooting hand. How is he feeling today? Um, he's, he's feeling good. I, you know, the one thing I always kind of go by is his attire. Uh, and in the last two days, I've asked him if, he, if, if so please stop wearing the Bruce Lee hoodie. Uh, because, I mean, he does it at some point, think he's some sort of uh, a ninja or something like that. And, but, but I will tell you, you know, anytime I see the Bruce Lee hoodie, I know that he's ready to fight and he's ready to roll. Um, and I think that he'll be fine, uh, particularly with his offhand. Uh, you know, that is a... It'd be a real world concern if it was on a shooting hand, but uh, in I know he met with a, a couple of docs last night after we had our our dinner, and he seems to be great. He's still obviously funniest guy on our team and always in good spirits. I think the thing that's going around lately with our guys is uh, they they all eat healthy, but they keep their banana peels and they. Uh, when someone's inconspic- inconspicuously not looking, they get whacked upside the head with a used banana peel. Um, <laughs> and that was going world? around a little last night. <laughs> so I, even I got into it. I gave Kyle, I smacked Kyle with a, a used banana peel. With well Kyle played. Collinsworth. What is this, right. Mario Kart? Oh, hey, listen. The, the, yeah, I, I mean, you have to be ready for anything with this group. <laughs> Are you throwing um, red and green turtle shells, too? No, no turtle shells yet. Just banana peel. Um, <laughs> hopefully nobody slips on one. It's that, would no, a, that would be a really bad story. No, it's no surprise that Chase is wearing a Bruce Lee hoodie because he he does refer to himself as a dragon, right? Enter the dragon. Oh no, yeah, that's right. And so, so anyway, that's, that's a long story, but I, I, I don't <laughs> I don't think that anything we need to worry if anything about Chase. Chase is a gamer, and and man, has he been so consistent for us? And you know, I just, I want to keep playing forever with this team because I love these kids so much, particularly these seniors. So that. Uh, bring so much joy not only to us on the court as coaches but off the court okay tonight gonzaga the uh, rubber match how do you how do you see this one playing out after two fantastic regular season games tim are you still there sorry lost you for a second okay tim uh, lacombe was, I thought the question was back so with good us. you were thinking about it how do you know <laughs> rub, rub, you know me i don't think i don't think a whole lot of Rubber match tonight with Gonzaga. How do you see this playing out with after two fantastic, tightly contested competitive games? Well, both games were were just that, and um, really, both games came down to you know last minute. Um, I think that at this time of year, particularly, you have an absolute understanding of the other team. Um, you understand their schemes. You have a very, very tight understanding of their uh, of their tendencies and their players' strengths. Um, I think it's interesting because we played them so recent that, you know, they'll probably be for them and for us just a few tweaks to the game plan in terms of the offensive end and the defensive end. But when it comes right down to it, 
it's going to be the team that really um, gives just a little bit more and wants it just a little bit more. And I think we're both in a situation. Gonzaga probably for the first time, you know, you know, like you guys talked about in 17, 18 years, that you know they they are playing for their NCAA lives. Uh, we're playing for our NCAA lives, and so I would expect that it'll be uh, an absolute uh, incredible basketball game with two really good teams, two really well coached teams going after it, and. Um, you know, my hope is that, uh, you know, we've got enough dragons on our team that we come out on top. <laughs> there have, and there honey, have been so many badgers. dragon references on the show lately. Tim Lacombe with his BYU Basketball Associate Head Coach. The Cougars take on Gonzaga tonight at 11.30 Eastern, 8.30 Pacific time here, local time in Las Vegas. It's been nine days since you played Gonzaga in Provo, so not, not that much time has passed. Has anything major change for either team in that short amount of time? Um, you know, the, the Gonzaga is interesting because um, they came down here. The game that we, they played at our place, and I think sometimes when teams come into Provo, they're, they're a little bit leery about getting into a track meet um, with us. And, and so they, they play just a tad bit slower, but, man, they were – Against uh, Portland the other night, they were high octane. Their their transition offense was they were going hard. They were trying to score early, um, and so that's one thing that we look at is maybe that, that the game may be a little bit more up tempo. Um, the the other question mark for them, I think, is their backup center got a little dinged up in that last game, which you know they're they're a little bit without uh, Karnowski, who's out for the season you know ryan edwards has been a pretty key piece to them coming off the bench and helping a little bit with sabonis um so just from a personnel standpoint still there's some of the questions um but as far as schematics and all that i mean you're so far into your season you're not going to reinvent the wheel right you're not you're not going to put in an entire new package for particularly with a day in between um but what we've seen now is we do have two films of of their um, their approach to us, and, and then they have two films of our approach to them. So I think that's kind of what you, you base it on. Uh, but for the most part, what it's going to come down to, as always, is we coaches think we're so important. <laughs> but these these kids are the guys that play the games, and uh, and they'll be the ones that decide whether you know whether we advance or they advance. And hopefully, again, we just uh, we make enough plays, and I ho- hopefully we shoot the ball better. We didn't shoot the ball very well in Provo. Um, we had 16 or 17 more possessions, and uh, typically with our with our shooting percentage, we would win that game nine out of ten times. And hopefully tonight we just shoot the ball a little bit better and, and still are able to rebound the ball as successful as we did and and, uh, and have a great chance to win the game. Well, it wasn't a jacket throw from Dave uh, Saturday. It was a slap of the side. So you were on that chair close to that. So just heads up for tonight just in case, Ken. <laughs> yeah, you know. I probably need to take some of the blame for that. I can, sometimes I get him a little stirred up. So if, if, if Are you throwing banana pills anything, at him? If, if Coach does anything out of character, you know, you can just blame it on me because I'm the I'm kind of the, I'm yipping over there a little bit too, and he he may even be frustrated at me at times. Who knows? We like a little fire. We'll we'll never complain about that, I, Coach. I, I, I am. I will never be accused of not having passion. Maybe <laughs> with a lot of other things, but. Uh, 
I love this game, I love this team, and I love Coach Rose. Um, and we will do everything within our power, you know, legally to try to get our, our guys to have success, that's for sure. Tim, we wish you the best of luck tonight. Always great to talk to you, and uh, we appreciate you taking some time with us on a very important and busy day. We appreciate all you guys do for, for all of us, too. Thanks, you guys. Have a great day. You got it. Tim Lacombe on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, your values, your timeline, your financial future. It's game day, but he was still dropping dragons, banana peels, Bruce Lee, ninja hoodies. I mean, relaxed, right? Taking the blame for Dave Rose being upset. <laughs> He was kind of on the ground, like crouching tiger, hidden dragon, maybe (laughs) something there. Coming up, what Gonzaga does better than any other college basketball team in the country. But first, West Coast Conference Commissioner Lynn Holzman tells us why the WCC can still be a two-bid league. Welcome back, sports friends. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Radio Vision Live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. We're live in Las Vegas at the Orleans Arena from the WCC Basketball Championships. It's the semifinal Monday. We've been talking about this day for a while. So the women are in it as well. They play Santa Clara 3 Eastern on BYU TV. The men play Gonzaga tonight, 11.30 Eastern time on ESPN2 and right here on BYU Radio as well. It was the men eliminating Santa Clara in the quarterfinals on Saturday, 72-60. Five Cougars scored in double figures. BYU-Gonzaga tonight. Rest up, big game on ESPN2. And as mentioned, women's hoops against Santa Clara 3 Eastern. The baseball team keeps winning. They won Saturday afternoon, 7-6, on a Nate Favero two-run homer in the ninth. They're 10-1. and That's a school best start ever. They play at home tomorrow. Uh, in the first game. I I haven't paid attention to Utah weather at all. I don't know if it's going to be freezing, 50s, I don't know. But that's their first game tomorrow against Utah Valley. They've played 11 games, none at home, and they are 10-1. and I'm looking up the weather tomorrow, even though we're not going to be there. Jimmer Fredette returned to the Westchester Knicks after his 10-day contract with the New York Knicks expired. Yesterday, he scored 12 points in 32 minutes. Joining us now is the commissioner of the West Coast Conference, Lynn Holzman. Lynn, good to have you back on set. How are you? Good. I'm doing good. We Thanks just, for having me. You bet. We were just talking about the, uh, the day of rest uh, on a Sunday, and I don't know how much resting you actually get to do because you've got to be thinking about all these logistics, but did you find time to do anything fun yesterday? Uh, I had a good, enjoyable dinner last night with some friends and some family I have in town. But, you know, fortunately, I have a great staff, and they were here uh, taking care of all the practices that were taking place and everything. So got to have those people around you to take care of things. What's, uh, how's the tournament gone from the league standpoint so far? It's been it's another successful year. I mean, obviously, what we've built here in Las Vegas with this men's and women's championship, um, it can the energy continues to build throughout, and we've see that. I mean, today's games are going to be absolutely electric, uh, both on the men's and the women's side. So it, it's been a really another good year here. Jeff Toriel told us uh, when he joined us last week that he's not sure that there has ever been a year in conference tournament play where there's been so much question about, well, who's going to win, and there's been a ton of parity. Do you prefer to have that over kind of a single heavy hitter like you did with Gonzaga last year? Uh, you know, for a single year, I think it gets challenging as a conference because I'm sure we'll, we'll certainly talk about this, and, and everyone has been talking about it, when you have a dominant uh, it, 
dominant program and really what does that do to set you up for participation in the NCA championship. But when I look at it as a commissioner in the long term, if increased parity and increased parity at a highly competitive level means that we're going to have greater assurance that we're going to get those multiple bids both on the men's and the women's side, that's absolutely what we want. We are have been a, um, consistently a multi-bid league and we want to continue to do that. So as other programs such as BYU, St. Mary's, Pepperdine on the men's side, as they are continue to get better for the long term, that's better for our league. Uh, and do you have conversations with the NCAA uh, selection committee about the league? Like, do you sell the league to the committee on, okay, here's why maybe we're multi-bid or not? Oh, absolutely. Part of the process is uh, both men's and women's basketball, they have what's called a conference monitoring program. So within those committees, you have uh, committee members that are assigned to the different conferences. As a conference office, one of our roles is to promote our program. So as we have those calls, uh, four or five calls throughout the season, we are promoting our top programs and why um, the committee should look at uh, beyond the automatic bid, why we should get some at-large bids also. So those have been taking place throughout the season, and we take that that responsibility very seriously. I mean, everything from... um, you know, the committee member has committee members have all that data and all that information together. But besides that, and reminding them of all that, there's all the other anecdotal or things that they need to be aware of. Um, and, and to some degree, I think we take that job even even more seriously because we feel as though, uh, with the time zone differences being on the West Coast, that some people may not be seeing the games that they need to. So that's a very important role that we have as a conference. Lynn Holzman, Commissioner of the West Coast Conference, is with us from the Orleans Arena at the West Coast Conference Basketball Championships. I'm of the opinion that if any other team on the men's side besides St. Mary's wins, it's going to be a two-bid league. I think St. Mary's has a great resume. Where do you see the scenarios for the West Coast Conference getting two teams in on the men's side? There's a multitude of scenarios, (laughs) and uh, just about any bracketologist that you look at right now... um, you know, it, that, it, the, the scenario you just described is one of them that a lot of them uh, are, are chatting about. It seems like the most fodder has been around the Gonzaga, St. Mary's. Um, BYU, to me, is still a very strong program. It's just, as the committee talks about, sometimes there's some bad losses and everything that really impact that. Yeah, we're saying they're totally out. they got to win. they got to win the tournament. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, that's that's a scenario right there. You know, even this morning, and as I, as I was looking at stuff, because we all become obsessed with, the, with these things and the bracketologists at this time of the year— um, some are showing that if St. Mary's wins, Gonzaga's the last four in. Some are showing the last four out. Everything, and, and frankly, I think the games here today and who moves to that championship game—that that's a absolutely key part of the puzzle. Yeah, the stakes are super high tonight. It's going to be fun to watch. Has uh, the Monday Tuesday format um, validated itself in the form of Vital and Musburger coming here tonight? Uh, we like to think so. I mean, we have <laughs> we have awesome broadcasters. ESPN is assigned on the game, so I think that helps with credibility, if you will, um, when you have. Those types of individuals that are here broadcasting the game, but then they can take what they view here during the games and as they are doing the other conference championships that come after us, refer back to the high quality of play and the great programs that we have here. So I think when you think about that national conversation, even beyond the committee itself and everything, I think it brings more credibility to our league. You're a veteran now. Can we call you a veteran commissioner now? Sure, year two. This isn't year number year, one anymore? You're not yeah, a rookie. Not, I, I, think, I think after six months, they no longer call you a veteran. <laughs> or, okay, a, or rookie? a rookie. A yeah. rookie, okay. yeah. What's been the biggest challenge for you, just from a professional standpoint, in your now two years as the commissioner of the West Coast Conference? Uh, I, I think one of the biggest, the biggest challenges has been really um, 
making sure that as a conference, we continue to be really innovative and creative so that we can get the stories and the messages of our programs out there. And that's men, that's men's basketball, women's basketball, and all of our other sports too. And we've talked before about how we have been consistently successful in all in many of our sports within the West Coast Conference, multiple bid leagues, multiple, multiple bids into the NCAA championships. So for us, telling that story and helping our schools tell that story has been a really uh, big emphasis of us for us. And um, individuals... I have on my staff do a tremendous job, but whether it's relationships with you, our other regional sport networks, what we do in the in the digital media space, um, with uh, the W.TV, otherwise, those those are that's really important for us to make sure that we are that nationally relevant, um, that we are seen as being nationally relevant, and that we uh, are really telling the story of the West Coast Conference and in our institutions, values based institution, the great student athletes that we have participating, and by the way, we are really good on the field and the court too. Lynn, what's the future of this tournament uh, in Vegas or, or not, and this location or not? You know, we are, um, I think as everyone's aware, that we're in the last year of our agreement right now with the Orleans, so we've been in conversations. Uh, I think first about Las Vegas. Uh, Las Vegas, when the West Coast Conference came here in 2009, it was an opportunity to get to a neutral site for the championship and for our membership that continues to be a, a primary uh, and a very important component for us in this event. Um, and Las Vegas has continued to support that. Us being followed by them, three other conference championships here in Las Vegas, um, we like to say that we are like the, the uh, we, we start the March to March Madness with the West Coast Conference sure. here. Um, and then with the with the uh, Orleans Arena itself, they've been tremendous partners up to this point. You know, the environment in here, as we all know, it gets absolutely electric as this place gets fuller and fuller as the tournament progresses. Um, you know, we are in a situation, though, now that the city of Las Vegas, there's some other options that they have available, but there's a lot of moving pieces to this puzzle. It's not just simply about, and it's not just as easy to go to like a new arena or something like that, because there's other players that are part of it and there's other operational matters. And we have to make sure that we continue to provide the right environment for our fans and for our student athletes. Yeah. Just from a surface level, fans are like, well, why don't they just play it there? It's, it shouldn't be that. Oh man. It, there's so many mm-hmm. logistics involved in, in making a decision like that. And I read an article. We want to know where our desk would go. That's like the yeah. number one question. <laughs> Associated we're with sure. We're, we're, we have we're, a spot. We are. We're going to take care of you guys. We'll have a spot That's there. That's all we want. Okay. <laughs> we trust you. Whether it's the Orleans Arena or somewhere else, we're, we're glad to know that we're in good hands. Uh, BYU is in the middle of constructing a brand new basketball practice facility, and there are some other schools in the mm-hmm. conference that are doing that or approaching doing that. Why, why does something like that matter for, I guess, the, the national exposure and, and the clout that goes with a conference? Well, for, I think it's, it's for the conference, but also I think for those institutions and those programs. Um, when you look across Division One, and whether this is football or, and you know, obviously basketball, the facilities and what um, the the venues by which you provide student athletes an, an opportunity to get better at their at their sport. And um, opportunities also where they may need the academic support services, um, the food, the nutrition aspects, all of that. That's resulted in some facilities to make sure that you have the venue by which you can provide those support. Um, for our for our programs, as you're looking as you're recruiting student athletes and they're comparing to institutions outside the West Coast Conference, if we don't have those same type of support systems, if you will, in place that hit 
the, the mind, the body, the wellness, the um, athletic development, all of those things, that's one of those things that we, we really need, we need to make sure that we are in that game, if you will. And uh, the institutions that as they look at their short and their long-term plans and everything, um, you know, as you said, there's several that, that they've already made commitments that they're doing that and they're going through that fundraising process to try to make sure that they get those, uh, pl- those uh, venues in place over the next year, a couple of years. It's not hard to sell San Diego or Malibu or Los Angeles, but if you throw in, like, we're just talking facilities now on top of those things, how do you say no to that? Uh-huh. Lynn, it's been great to have you. We have a uh, BYU Sports Nation swag bag for you. You can wear this in Spokane if you'd like, this stuff that we give you, or Moraga. There's nothing they would love more Thank than you. to see the commissioner with BYU stuff. So basically, you can work out in it, is what we're saying. Yeah. yeah you could, your disclosure. Isn't that you the commissioner? As I'm sitting sure? here and I'm putting it under the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, do, you do what you like with it. The blue goggles in there do help you see a little bit th- things a little bit clearer in terms of BYU. Okay. So exactly. we'll go with that. But we Appreciate your time and look forward to some great games tonight. All right. Thank you. Thanks, Lynn. Lynn Holzman, the commissioner of the West Coast Conference, with us up in the Big Easy. Chan- or, I almost said Channel 3. Floor 3 of the Orleans Did you work Arena. at Channel 3 or something? I did in work Grand at Channel Junction? 3. No, in Palm, Palm Springs. Springs. Oh, okay. News Channel 3. <laughs> up next. What does Gonzaga do better than any team in the country, and why will it have such a big effect on tonight's game? That's next. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from the Big Easy at the Orleans Arena. Yeah, make sure you say the Orleans Arena. We're not in New Orleans. We're at the Orleans Arena. It's <laughs> the Orleans Arena, but the Big Easy inside the, the Orleans Arena. The Gonzaga Invitational presented by the West Coast Conference. Oh. Now, that, now that Lynn Holzman is gone, I could say that. <laughs> I was nervous about saying that while she was up here. If you miss an episode of this show live on weekdays, you can catch the rebroadcast on BYU TV starting at 6 p.m. Eastern. A lot of basketball happening on the floor behind us today. Heck yes. Women's Hoops against Santa Clara, 3 Eastern time on BYU TV. Check it out today. That's coming up this afternoon. And then men's basketball tonight against Gonzaga, 11.30 Eastern time on ESPN2 or BYU Radio. Or as Chase Fisher and his Bruce Lee ninja hoodie would say, Gonzaga! Oh, yes. Nice. Nicely done. Dick Vitale. Brent Musburger. Is it Vital or Tal? It's V-I-T-A-L-E. I, I know, but I think that people say Vital, right? Oh, I, oh, it's awesome. I don't know. Dick, Dick Vital? Vic, Dick Vital? Do any of you say tail? Use the hashtag BYUSN. Weigh in. How about just Dickie V? Yeah. That's that, that way we just That's, avoid the whole conversation. What? I didn't want to avoid. That's why I okay, summoned fine. tweets. Let's, let's settle it's the argument. Slam dunk. Let's settle the argument. Dick Vitale, Tail, Tal, <laughs> whatever you want to say, is this, and Brent Musburger calling the BYU Gonzaga game tonight. Is this the new Phil Steele? <laughs> no. That one's very definitive. That one's very definitive. <laughs> okay. Hey, if one stat of the day is good, more is better. Hit it! It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Okay, we talked about what Gonzaga does better than anyone else in the country. It is this. Gonzaga leads the nation in three-point field goal percentage defense. What Defending three. So opposing teams shoot 28.6% against BYU. Or, sorry, against Gonzaga. That is really bad. Really bad. What did BYU shoot against Gonzaga? Or good if you're Gonzaga. Yeah, well, we don't think from their perspective. Wow, championships. That feels amazing. BYU in the two games shot 26.5%. Below the average, that is already number one for the Zags. 26.5 will not win you any games, although it did in one. Three of 17, Nick Emery hits a timely one. Because BYU got 40 points in the paint, that offset 
the inability to shoot three. 13 of 49 combined. Woof. That's me on Tuesday nights in pickup, dude. That is not good. Got that BYU's, in. Yeah, BYU's got to shoot better. So in wins, BYU shoots 41.1%. In losses, 29.6%. The difference from three in wins and losses for BYU is 11.5%, basically 12%. 12%? What does that equate to? Two or three three-pointers. That equates to 2.7 more threes per game, which is about eight points. Eight points more per game if BYU shoots just a little better tonight against Gonzaga. It doesn't have to be astronomical. No. We're talking about another three make or two. And what was, what's been the margin? One and three. Okay, so a, a single one point three win, means a lot. A one-point win and a three-point loss shooting a combined 26.5% from the three-point line. So if that gets up to like... 31 or 32? Which is still bad. Every three threes, you just make one. Every 10 threes, you're making about three. I don't think that's asking a ton. No. Go like 7 of 20 from the three-point line, shoot 34%. That would be a drastic improvement. Let's talk actual on-the-court meaning now. If Chase Fisher's finger isn't isn't that good, and Tim McComb said he'll be fine, it's on the offhand, okay? I still think that could affect him in some way, right? If tonight Nick Emery and Zach Selyus can shoot the ball well, BYU's in business. To me, it's about Nick Emery specifically because he plays more minutes Somebody, than Zach Selyus. if one of the three sharpshooters can go nuts. I think you need, well, I think you need two to be good. You, you can't say, one go nuts and we'll just watch it. Ha- two be good. And why can't if tonight... If two are good, then BYU's in great shape. But nobody has shot the ball well from three at any point against Gonzaga. I thought Zach Selyus at home was good. Ten he, for thirty-two. So what? Yeah, what were Zach's numbers in game number two? It was two of six. So That's thirty-three percent. So not great. Chase three of eight, even better. Thirty-eight. Nick Emery three of ten. That's the one that hurts you. So Nick, one guy can one guy shoot forty percent. I I specifically point a finger, not a finger, just in the direction of Nick Emery because he's a good player. He averages sixteen a game. He's only averaging seven against Gonzaga. To me, Nick Emery has got to show up tonight. This has got to be a good performance and a defining performance for a guy who's no longer a freshman, right? He, I, know, I know he is, but there have been how many games played? 33, 32 games? Nick Emery's got to play well tonight for BYU to win against Gonzaga. There's lots of things, but to me, the person is Nick Emery. BYU is a tough matchup for Gonzaga because they match up well in terms of length, and they're... They have almost as much quickness as Gonzaga. They, Gonzaga McClellan has Perkins and Drake, and Mc, Yeah, and Drake Guinness are solid defenders yeah, on the outside. Yes. And on the interior, Wilcher is not a great defender. He's an offensive player. Sabonis is good at the rim. So BYU's guard line has got to play well. That includes Celius. I bet you BYU goes small at times, and they put Celius on Wilcher sometimes, especially if Collinsworth. Will BYU roll Collinsworth out on Wilcher right away? Because, they could. Because that's asking for foul trouble. Yet it's a matchup that you want. Wilcher, Wilcher is Dirk Nowitzki light in that he's like six ten, but he's like a six foot four dude inside of in, like he has a six ten body, but he plays like he's six four. What will be the key factor if BYU is to beat Gonzaga today? At Price Tyson nine seven five three zero says defense, defense, defense. Get a lot of blocks and steals. That will lead to easy fast break layups and three pointers. It'd be nice to get out in transition. That BYU's at its best when it does that. Steals and transition threes. Is that asking too much? Yeah, it is. <sighs> Stay with us for the Cougar Whip Around. BYU Sports Nation presented in part by DexterLot.com. Help when you need it most. Jerem, whip it, Fisher. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around. 
Men's basketball. BYU beat Santa Clara 72-60, 17-plus, just like we call it. In the quarterfinals, led by a balanced effort with five Cougars in double figures. The rubber matches tonight between Gonzaga and the Gonzaga Bulldogs. 11.30 Eastern on ESPN2 and BYU Radio. Women's basketball. Watch out for that banana peel, Jerem. The Cougars are in the semifinals as as well and play Santa Clara at 3 Eastern. That game live on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler on the call. Baseball. All these dudes do is win. They won 7-6 with the Nate Favero two-run homer in the ninth at Kansas to sweep that series. They're 10-1, the best start in school history. They play their first home game tomorrow against Utah Valley. Jimmer. Fredette. Return to the Westchester Knicks after his 10-day contract with the New York's Knicks, uh, New York Knicks. Yesterday, for Westchester, he scored 12 points in 32 minutes. Golf. The women's team is at the Bay Area Intercollegiate in Fairfax, California today and tomorrow. Swimming and diving. Diving teams are at the Zone E Diving Championships, not to be confused. Confused with Zone D or maybe or Zone A or B, right? yeah. In Flagstaff, Arizona, starting at one Eastern. Softball. Cougars lost ten six to tenth ranked Jimmy Madison Saturday. What? Athletics. Former Cougar volleyball star Dylan Duncan Seriani was inducted into the West Coast Conference Hall of Honor Saturday. Seriani set the NCAA career record with two thousand one hundred eighty eight kills and was a two time All American. Rugby. The back to back to back. The back? How many mm-hmm. is that? Four. National champion rugby team continue their winning ways. They're ranked number one. Beat uh, Central Washington 58-27. Lacrosse. Fourth-ranked BYU beat 15th-ranked San Diego State 13-7 Saturday in Henderson, Nevada, just across town. Well, well. From the Orleans Arena. Football. What? What's with football? There's no football. Ah, the there it is. 180. 180 days away. Yeah, I brought it on the court. They're like, "Who has an who has an artificial noisemaker?" That is not how allowed. Did you, here. How did you sneak that in here? No one, no one checked my I'm bag. I'm telling. I'm telling, Jerem. <laughs> yelling, Jerem, it's over. Jerem whips it. it out when Wiltshire and Sabonis <laughs> are shooting free throws tonight <laughs> from press row tonight. <laughs> Gonzaga, by the way, has a cheerleader that like has this several this hyena screech thing that she does during free throws really and she balks like a chicken too it is it, that's it's maddening i'm like i'm going to lose my mind if she does it again <laughs> wow oh my goodness yes wow. you wait you wait for a free throw BYU free throw tonight you will hear her and now now i'm interested i wasn't <laughs> interested in watching this game now i am all right <laughs> Our Rise and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. We're giving it to Nate Favero. Oh, yeah. Two-run homer in the ninth inning to wrap up the sweep of BYU baseball at Kansas. Where are you going? Oh, it's time for Jerem to get buckets again. He's got... We still got time left in the show, man. Thanks to all of our guests. Tim Lacombe, Lynn Holzman. Show on demand, BYUSN.com. Download the podcast on iTunes. There goes the basketball. We'll see you.